friends, and welcome back to Unfeigned Christianity, where we seek to reconcile our human experiences with God and His Word, so that we can love from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. We are in the middle of a four-part mini-series on how to read the Bible. If you missed the last episode, be sure and check it out as well. This series is an introduction to our flagship course, Finding My Place in God's Story. Last time we discussed that the Word of God is a message, the whole message of the Gospel and how the Bible is a collection of writings that are organized in such a way to tell a story that communicates that message. The Bible is not a reference book, it's a story. And when we approach it like a reference book, we are susceptible to missing the story. In this episode, we're going to get even deeper into why we sometimes find it hard to even be all that interested in the Bible. What makes one feel like they have to read the Bible instead of feeling like they get to read the Bible? We're going to get into all of that in just a bit. But first, if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe both to this podcast or YouTube channel and also to our email list so you can keep up with the latest articles and resources available. As always, this podcast is made possible through our members at Unfeigned Christianity on Patreon. Paid subscribers to Unfeigned Christianity receive expanded versions of all our podcast interviews as well as deep dive essays into human experiences we may find uniquely difficult to reconcile with God and his word. One of the ones we're going to look at here in, in January is deconstruction. What leads one to deconstruct? Is it, is it, or we're just going to deconstruct, deconstruction. So if you're interested in becoming a member, go ahead and visit asherwhitmer.com forward slash member. Now let's jump into today's episode. My relationship with the Bible growing up was that I should spend daily time in it and I should be able to read a portion of it, interpret it, and apply it to my life. Then I should be able to walk away and feel confident about what the section means and that my life is now going to be shaped by it or adjusted to what it says. And this should have happened, theoretically, in about 20 minutes or so. And if I if I spent even more time, like an hour, then it was kind of a sign that I was a good or a better Christian. My experience, however, was that I would open the Bible and not really understand what I read. Maybe I'd spend 10 minutes reading and not be able to say what I had just read at the end of the 10 minutes. Or if I could say what I read, I wouldn't really necessarily be able to say what it meant or how it had anything to do with my life today. This would often leave me feeling demotivated, maybe even a bit like a spiritual failure. Some of you might resonate with what I'm saying. Maybe you came away with lots of questions about what you read, not having really gotten anything out of your time in God's word. Maybe you even tried tweaking some things like finding a collection of verses that you did understand and it did seem to speak to you and and so you cycle through those verses. Maybe you started using a devotional book to help you find those verses that seemed more meaningful. Or maybe you ended up just avoiding it until you felt guilty enough about not reading scripture and you decided to try again. Think about the scarcity paradigm that children tend to have about their toys. I I have three sons. Two of them are eight and seven, and one is four. And so my four-year-old right now has a real scarcity mindset. All of them can sometimes live with this, but my, my two older boys, they have more toys in the family collection, 
and they're older, they're also more powerful. So it's common for them to come up and say, hey, you didn't ask to play with this or whatever. My four-year-old will just scream if somebody's, a toy is taken away. He's just screams. He can't, he doesn't know how to react other than just scream, somebody help me, like the world is caving in or something along that line. And we're trying to help him shift his paradigm, help him see how, wait, first of all, there are lots of toys. Sons, my older sons, like you you guys don't have to play with the toy he was playing with. And my four-year-old, like you don't have to just scream. There's other toys people can be playing with. And furthermore, if somebody's doing something that feels violating, you can just say, hey, that I was playing with that. That was my toy. Or dad, mom, they took my toy. You don't have to just scream. We're trying we're trying to help him shift his way of looking at life, looking at his toys. And sometimes we need to shift the way we look at the Bible in order to get more out of it. More specifically, in order for the Bible to do to us what it was intended to do. We bump into mental conflicts or frustrations even with Scripture when we are approaching it in the wrong way. We need a reframing, a new paradigm through which to see the Bible. What if God was inviting you to stop approaching Scripture as this thing you're supposed to come away with, something to apply? What if he's asking us to just spend time with him? Like rather than needing something tangible that we can then go exegete and tell all our friends about, what if there was another way of approaching Scripture that was more consistent to how he designed Scripture to work? What if he's wanting us to just be in his word, even if we come away confused at the end of it? Think about a good friend that you have. You don't go hang out with them and then when you leave, you're thinking, okay, what, what can I take and apply to my life? Or did we take a next step in our relationship? And that, that would be weird. That's, that's not how we approach good friendships. We just were able to just be together. In fact, some of my closest friends... I remember thinking about this when Teresa and I were dating, when we were able to get to the point of just sitting in silence together. That's when it like dawned on me that, you know, we're really good friends. We can just sit and chill. And we don't, I don't constantly have to think, what is she thinking? What is she thinking of me? Like, what, what does she want to do? Am I doing what she wants to do? Am I doing the right thing? No, we're just being, we're spending time together. What if that is how God wants us to be with him, with his word? His word is going to work on you, whether you know it's working on you or not. Just spend time in it. Opening up the scriptures and reading is success. That is enough. You just sitting in and reading. Maybe you thought that in this mini-series, you would discover how to read the Bible in such a way that every time you open the scriptures, Boom, it's like a light bulb turns on and you you know exactly what is meant. You have something to take away and tell people about. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that. I mean, I, I hope that some of the things we get will help make scriptures come alive and you'll begin to see the story at a whole deeper level than ever before. But I'm rather just trying to shift your paradigm into thinking it's okay. It's okay if you're not getting anything big out of it. Just sit in it. Just spend time in it. 
And, and just to be clear, like this isn't necessarily going to solve confusion. It's still going to be tempting to avoid it. And without a deeper understanding of how scripture was intended to be read, you're quickly going to lose interest in the Bible altogether. So with that being said, let's dig into deeper reasons why there is confusion. Why is it hard for us to get into the Bible? It's not wrong to come to the Bible with questions. The Bible is capable of addressing my questions and felt needs, but the way that it does it is not like a reference book. It can do those things, but in ways that take some adjustment. So what do I mean by reference book? How do we wrongly approach the Bible as a reference book? I've got, I've got three ways. One of them, the first one, is that we see the Bible as a theological dictionary. So we're looking for specific questions of theology. Who and what are human beings? Who or what is God? What's good? What's bad? What's the problem in the world and with people? Is there a solution? How old is the world? How did the earth cosmos come into being? How does God make decisions about things? How should I make decisions? How should we do church? The biblical text is designed to shape my view of reality. I should be able to have an understanding of the world as I read the Bible The question is, what modes for engaging the Bible are going to accomplish that task best? A reference book skill set isn't going to allow the Bible to do what it's designed to do. Just to be clear, you can get a lot out of the Bible treating it as a reference book. There are lots of things that we can find answers for. There are specific areas of the Bible that we can go to and learn about God and learn his attributes and who he says he is. And there's a lot of things that we can catalog and that we can list in a nice, concise way and say, hey, this is who God is. This is how we should live according to his design. And so it's possible to get something out of the Bible, treating it as a reference book. But the Bible is more than a reference book. It's a story. And there's a lot that you're going to miss if you merely treat it as a reference book. If your impulse is to come to the Bible as a reference book, you will find things and do things that the Bible isn't doing. And you will miss things that the Bible is trying to do, but you just aren't seeing it because you're using the wrong framework for approaching the scripture. There is a good intuition behind treating the Bible as a theological dictionary. Don't get me wrong. The Bible should shape my view of reality and what's true about the world, God, myself, and others. This is what the Bible is designed to do. But how does it do it? It doesn't do it as a reference book. It does it through the medium of narrative, poetry, and first century letters. The second way that we treat the Bible as a reference book is that we see it as a moral handbook. We pick and choose what parts of the Bible guide our ethics. We want to have the Bible help us decide what is good and bad. And again, there is a good tuition behind treating the Bible as a moral handbook. The texts that are in the Bible were designed to give instruction and guidance to God's people about what is right, what is just, and what is good, and what is beautiful, so that God's people can live in a certain way in the world. The Bible is designed to shape people who can discern right and wrong, good and evil. But again, how does the Bible do this? What is the best way for us to engage the Bible so that it accomplishes that in us? The Bible does not do that as a moral handbook. 
where we ask what to do in specific situations and turn to various passages to get the answer. One objection or fear is that if we approach the Bible in a different way other than a reference book, then we will all come to our own conclusions about what is right and what is wrong. What, what does it even mean then that the Bible has authority? Maybe I can make it say whatever I want, create whatever rules I want. My response to that is that we need to listen to each other as we, as we read the Bible. We need to be talking with each other and listen to each other as we read the Bible. And together, we need to listen to the guidance of the Spirit in concert. So there's conversation together as a community of God's people. We're listening for the guidance of the Spirit in concert with the Scriptures, listening to what the text says, learning how to read the text for how it was intended to be taken. Whatever moral or ethical guidance the Bible is giving, it is not a systematic statement of that as such. If it was, it probably would have been a lot clearer to a lot more people throughout history. We wouldn't have so many differences among Christians. If the Bible really was laying out a systematic statement of ethics, we could treat it more like America treats its constitution. No, it says this right here. But there's a lot of people throughout history who haven't treated the Bible that way. And we'll look, and as we progress throughout this miniseries, we'll see even how Jesus doesn't necessarily treat the Bible that way. To be clear, however, the Bible does have an agenda. It is trying to give us moral and ethical guidance. But it gives us this guidance through a more dynamic process than just cataloging what is right or wrong. The whole premise of the first scene of the story of the Bible is who gets to define what is good and evil, humans or God? Are we going to try to be our own gods or are we going to surrender and trust that God, that Yahweh has our best in mind? The Bible wants to produce people who can discern what is good and what is evil according to how God defines it. Even the, the Torah itself was thought of as a tree of life that is supposed to help us understand the question is, how do I get the Bible to do that in me? Not by treating it as a moral rule book. I'm not saying the Bible isn't trying to shape our view of what's right and wrong. Again, I am saying that it is trying to do that. The question is, how does it do that? What story accomplishes the goal of forming a people who can discern good and evil? The third way that we use the Bible as a reference book is that we use it as a devotional grab bag. Again, there is a good intuition underneath this. The Bible exists to connect me not just to ancient people and what they were trying to say long ago, but it exists to connect me to the presence of the living God, the Spirit of God, and the presence of Jesus, and to put me in tune to that living one and to help guide me in my living in the world. The Bible is designed to overhaul your view of reality and connect you to the living God in a very personal way. It's okay to have favorite parts of the Bible. It's okay to have places we revisit more often than others because they remind us of what is true and right and they are easy to understand and we even feel warm fuzzies. But if that becomes the main mode of engaging the Bible, the Bible won't be able to do in us what it was designed to do. If we read the parts we like, but stop before the real crazy or confusing parts that we're not sure what to do with, 
we will miss the story God is trying to communicate. A classic example for me is Romans 8. I love Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ. Jesus has done what the law could not do. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. But then you get to chapter 9. And all of a sudden there's talk about God's elect and being elected for damnation. What in the world is going on? Using the Bible as a theological dictionary, a moral handbook, or a devotional grab bag are all ways that we can tend to use the Bible as a reference book. But the Bible is not a reference book. That begs the question, what is the Bible? This leads us to what we get into in the future. But for now, let me point out three distinctives of what the Bible is. The first one is that the Bible is a story. So just like all stories, it has plots, it has characters, it has subplots, it has villains, it has a protagonist, it has various aspects to its story. And we're going to see a bunch of small stories, but what I'm saying here is that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is itself a story. The second thing is that it's written by various authors. Many different people wrote this collection of writings. They wrote it over a span of 1,300 years. So that plays in. We, we, if we're going to understand the Bible, we've got to recognize that that's at play. And that's why if we don't understand that, if we don't recognize it, it's hard to get anything out of the Bible because we don't see there's many different authors writing this. And then the third thing is that there are a lot of differences between the original audience and us. And just the examples of the differences is that the, the time is different. That was long ago. This is now. The language is different, written in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic. And we read in English. It was written to other cultures. The biblical authors took things for granted that I don't understand. I don't miss. I miss because I don't catch the, the innuendo or the idiom or whatever that they're doing that I'm not familiar with. The Bible addresses situations that don't always match the situations I live in. And again, because it's a different culture, a different time, a different place, in another language. And then the fifth thing is that it's conveying various covenants. There are kind of two big covenants. We have the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But there's actually about five distinct covenants communicated throughout the storyline of Scripture. And depending on which covenant we're reading from, it's, it's going to be more confusing to us or we're not going to be able to fully understand exactly what God is trying to communicate. And so all of these things go into making it difficult to get into the Bible. In closing, we find it hard to get into the Bible because we struggle to see how we fit into its story exactly and why the story is important to our everyday well-being. In the next episode, we're going to look specifically at the question of whether or not we have to read the Bible every day in order to be a good Christian. I think we all know we need to read it, but why? What is the Bible doing or saying that is important for my everyday life? We will look at that next. Until then, I'd love to hear your thoughts or feedback. Leave a comment in the thread below. Let me know if you have any questions or if there's something specific that stood out to you that you hadn't thought about before. I'll see you next time. Grace and peace.
Profane Christianity is brought to you by our members at Patreon. If you would like to receive in-depth essays into various issues that we as Christians face and how to sort through them in a way that helps us love God and others with a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, then consider becoming a member at Patreon. Along with these deep dive essays, you will receive expanded versions of all our podcast interviews. To learn more about becoming a paid subscriber to Unfeigned Christianity, visit www.asherwhitmer.com forward slash member. And if you'd like to learn more about me, maybe you're not very familiar with who I am and what I do, just go ahead and visit my website, asherwhitmer.com. That has everything that has my book, that has my blog articles, various other resources available to check out as well, including two networks I am currently a part of. The first is called the Restorative Faith Collective, where we have conversations around race, perspectives, and relationships in an Anabaptist context at restorativefaithcollective.org, as well as the Kingdom Outpost, where we look at how do we live as Jesus's nation in the world today. Visit www.kingdomoutpost.org. Thanks for listening.